Amen. Why don't you lift up your hand or two hands before we do anything else? Would you just talk to the Lord for just a moment? We love you, Jesus. Continue the work that you're doing in this place today, Father. We trust you for it. We're submitted to it, Jesus. Regardless of the vessel, Father, your word still pierces. Regardless of the vessel, Father, regardless of my feelings, Father, your word is true. It is forever settled, Father. It will not return to you void, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Amen. I'm so thankful to be with you all today. You may be seated. Um, just excited to be with you all on an actual Sunday. I think I see many of you at United, uh, and, you know, it feels like it was just yesterday, but uh, harvest, <laughs> you know, like as a family thing, when we'd, uh, when Bishop would you know, be going through the, the, the circus that is harvest uh, once a year. We'd be over, usually, most years. And uh, I'd be a shell of myself, you know, probably in a good way spiritually sometimes, but showing up here on a midweek with you all a couple times uh, because I got up at 3 that morning. And, um, you know, for Bishop, that is a, you know, that's breakfast time for him. Uh, four, you know, he's he's up and... Uh, walk in the town um, already. But for me, uh, we'll just leave it there. Okay. Uh, but I'm so thankful to be with you all. Uh, I want to greet you on behalf of my wife as well. Uh, she told me in the car today that she usually says hello every time she's here. So uh, she's going to let me <laughs> say it for her today. To which I responded, hey, do you want to sing a song? And uh, uh, I said, just kidding. Um, because, believe it or not, we've been married 10 years uh, this year. I know, I look like I'm 17, but um, it's been 10 years. And um, thankfully, I've learned like one, two, couple things in 10 years. Thank God for his grace and his mercy <laughs> uh, and for a loving wife. And... Um, I've learned that one of those things is to say just kidding uh, every once in a while. You know, when you say something and halfway through the sentence, you're like, that was, that was, that was a bad call. I should not be, I should not complete this sentence that I'm, that I'm saying right now. Uh, and so that's what happened. But um, what a beautiful spirit of worship. I want to encourage someone today. Um, expect this every time you get together. Maybe this is what transpires every time you're here. But if just two or three of you would continue expecting what transpired here just a few moments ago, worship-wise, right, uh, in the singing of songs, I, I think that, you know, in today's day and age, worship has transcended, in many ways, great, right, especially within our apostolic movement. It's become so big and so grand, and uh, it rivals, you know, secular production and, you know, the value that gets put in from a work standpoint, and it's so professional. 
But I will tell you, there's nothing more moving in worship than being in a congregation and hearing, you know, not just the beautiful voices of the, the singers, but the voices of the congregation. For us to be singing, you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. And hearing the voices surrounding you, singing that, that's, you know, you hear that word edifying, edification. And we use that word in church often. How often do you use edifying in, in real life, like in a, in, at work? That was edifying. <laughs> maybe you do. I mean, I don't know. Maybe you do, but I personally don't um, because I'm a millennial. But anyways, I, I don't use the word edifying, but I know what it means when I'm here and I'm worshiping and I begin to lift up my hands. And we, we start a song that says, there's power in the mighty name of Jesus. And I hear that other people around me are not just singing it, they're declaring it. Their circumstance might not align with what they're singing, you know, what they see in front of them. I know they've got ties on today, we've, we've got our nice dresses on, you know, all of that. But your circumstance may not align with that. But yet you're singing, there's power in the mighty name of Jesus. And all the other words to that song. And I, I can just stand there and, and soak it in. And that's what I did. Um, it's moving, church. I, I want you to know. You know, I, I grew up hearing preachers who would visit, and they would say things like, you've got such a great thing here. Value what you have here, all those things. And, I, and I I'm just going to be honest with you. As a young person, I would say, you know, you probably say that everywhere. But I get it now because I'm standing here, and I'm thinking, what a beautiful presence of God. This, this can change a life today. I'm believing that it will change a life. I don't know how far away that life is. Maybe it's the person behind me, in front of me. Maybe it's me today, but I believe something is in the air today. Something is in the water. The water is trembling, and all that needs to happen is for some people to begin to step into it. And you just begin to dip your toes in it just a little bit. You know, you raise your hand. You begin to close your eyes. You begin to whisper the words to yourself, what the enemy meant for evil. He's turning it for good. He's turning it for good. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood, not just for the blood, but the blood applied. Wow. It's beautiful. I was also holding my daughter who's two years old, and, um, you know, you get me holding my daughter and a powerful presence of God, and, you know, I'm just going to tell you, I'm going to cry. I just got to break it to you. I'm not a big crier. My wife tells me she's still never seen me cry. I'm like, I'm going to tell her in the car today, I was crying right next to you. <laughs> and uh, I think it's because my face is, like, kind of lacking emotion sometimes. You know, I've got one of those faces. And, uh, yeah, I, I just... I think, though, that since I had my daughter, you know, it happened with my son as well, if he ever hears this, just to be clear. But with my daughter, something about, the, you know, being a girl dad, right? That's, I think that's the term. Um, since I had my daughter, I don't know what it is. 
Can, it, can anyone else, is, is it just me? Like anyone else with girls who feel this way? I'm like, what got unlocked in here that is, it's like I gained some tear ducts when Olive entered this earth. Like all of a sudden there's extra H2O in my system that can just at any point, oh, being a dad or having a daughter. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but you get those two together and it just produces something special. Um, it moves you. And that's my point. It's moving. I began to feel confirmation in my spirit. And the Lord began to speak to me just standing here about how he feels as a father. And there's a word in the scripture. Um, it's translated as compassion. Someone say compassion. Compassion in the New Testament. Um, it translates to a Greek word. It's a very long word. I'm not going to tell you it. But the, the key point of that is there is a word in the Bible that translates to compassion. It also translates to pity. Can you say pity? Pity. Which today, that kind of sounds negative. You know, like a pity party. But in the Bible's uh, day and age, compassion and pity uh, in the New Testament, they're translated pretty often in the same, uh, same space. And uh, I wonder if we could read a couple scriptures around that. So Matthew chapter 9. Let's go there. Matthew 9. I want to give honor to Elder Hart and his family, his wonderful family. We've been looking for uh, really, <laughs> he, they were giving us a hard time. Like, oh, yeah, it's, you know, actually having you in our house the first time in like 10 years or something like that. And I said, I know. Um, it was like, since I got married? No, I'm just kidding. Uh, and it's, it's wonderful to spend time with them. I know that, again, I'm going to say, it, value what you have. I hope you are grateful for the assembly that the Lord has placed you in. Anyone believe that? You don't just, this isn't your favorite restaurant, so you just go here once a week, right? Oh, yeah, that's our restaurant. That's our burger spot. Like, we go to Miners. I'm a Miners guy. No, your church is more than that. Your church is where you've been led because you've got to get planted somewhere, right? And we all need shepherds in our lives. If you want frustration and confusion to begin to root up in your life, begin to take heed to not just the voice of your shepherd, but voices of those all around you who there is no witness. It just, it just sounds good. Go online, you know, and, and kind of take in without uh, heeding any conflict or any, anything that is in contrast to what is taught at your assembly. And it's going to begin to root up some things in your life. So I'm thankful for this man, his family. Uh, Sister Hart cooked an amazing dinner that uh, when she said, would you like some more? I think she, I don't know if you saw me looking at it a couple times. Uh, and I, I don't say no to food. Um, my mom raised me <laughs> well uh, in that way. So we had a great time, and uh, I, I don't want to take too long, but there's I could probably just go name by name and just tell you I want to give you honor and, and tell you that I'm grateful to be here with you. 
Brother Johnstone, Brother Rodriguez, Brother Martin, uh, Brother Johnstone was with us in Federal Way not too long ago. And I ran up to him in the prayer room and said, I don't have your number because I feel terrible. I never said thank you for being with us. Uh, he got on a plane right after he preached at our, uh, at our service. But I'm just I'm thankful for the unity we have. Amen. You probably have this here. I tune in online and I see Elder Flowers here. I see uh, Elder Casa was here just a few weeks ago. And it's, it's like we all know each other, right? We can just pick up where we left off or we can understand that God is moving us all forward, even though we live in different places. One body, one accord. There's power in that. Matthew chapter 9. Verse 30, uh, let's go to the verse 34. Let's go here. Verse, Verse 27, let's just get some context. And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And he was come into the house. The blind men came to him, and Jesus said unto him, Believe you that I am able to do this. They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, according to your faith, be it unto you. And their eyes were opened, and Jesus straightly charged them, saying, See that no man know it. But they, when they were departed, obviously because they just regained their sight, because they just had a miracle happen in their lives, they spread abroad his fame in all that country. As they went out, behold, they brought to him a dumb man, possessed with the devil. And when the devil was cast out, the dumb spake and the multitudes marveled saying, it was never so seen in Israel. In other words, the tradition we live in today, the system we have today with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious elite and the practice of the law, the Mosaic law, right? All those ceremonies that we run through, we've, we've not seen these things in Israel. These things that are happening, these blind men being healed, these possessed people being set free. But the Pharisees said, he casteth out devils through the prince of the devils. That, to me, sounds like someone, um, you know, just someone saying something bad about you. No, no, no. That's, he's casting those, devil, those devils out through the prince of the devils. Just... Don't even worry about it. It's that's wrong. And Jesus went about all the cities, verse 35, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. Verse 36, this is key. But when he saw the multitudes, someone say multitudes. What's that mean? The crowds, the people public. Is this talking about the church? Is this talking about the disciples? No, this is the people, the people he was out with. He went out, it says, right? Can we go back to 35 for a second? He went about all the cities and the villages. Do you ever leave your house? That's why we're here today. Amen. 
36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion. Let me say that word again. Compassion. Compassion. On them. Because they fainted. Another translation says they were weary. And it's not saying like he perceived them as weary. It's just saying for a fact. Because this is the Bible. And it's infallible. And it's perfect and true. And it's forever settled. You and I can read this and say... Okay, when Jesus saw the multitudes, he knew that they were tired. They were weary. And they were scattered abroad. What's that mean? They were divided. They were all over the place. They were not agreeing on one thing. They were not in one big group or just a couple of large groups. They were scattered abroad. As sheep having no, what's the last word? Shepherd. So Jesus saw it. And that's what I want to read to you in this. And I just feel a share with someone in this room that God wants to show you his compassion. You may have felt it already in this room. I believe I felt it. When I, when I was holding my daughter, okay, and I began to sing of the blood of Jesus applied, not, to, not just to my life, but the life of every soul, seven and a half, eight billion souls in this world, the blood of Jesus was applied to every single one of those. Compassion. I began to feel a glimpse of the compassion that only comes from the Lord. That word compassion, remember I said there's a long Greek word behind it, right? That Greek word behind it means to be moved. To be moved. And it doesn't even give you a sense of move negatively, move positively, move to be inspired, move to be, you know. It just says it moves you. And it is the deepest level of being moved, is what that word means, okay? It means being moved to the deepest depths of a, what a human can feel. Would you pray with me for a moment? Ask that the Lord would speak to you in this moment. Ask that the Lord would continue his work in your spirit, in your heart, up to this point and from this point forward. Lord, in the name of Jesus, we stand upon your word, Father. We stand upon it, Jesus. Help me, Jesus, to feel what you would like me to feel, Father, in this moment. From this gathering today, help me to see, Father, with the eyes that you would like for me to see with, Lord. Help me to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today, Father. Give me a heart that would feel what your heart feels, Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Help me be moved, Father. Help, be, help me be moved, Jesus. Bishop made a statement recently, and he said, little is more, right? And I've heard the statement growing up, less is more. And he said it in the context of, you know, 
if you're holding the mic or whatever, if you're teaching in your Bible studies, just let the word do its work sometimes. Let me rephrase that. Let the word do its work, period. Sometimes we just want to qualify it. We want to add to it, which is against the rules, by the way. We want to build it up and say, isn't that so great? We want to, you know, analyze it when it's already doing its work, as Elder Hart was talking about. It's already piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit. It's already in the joints. It's already in the bone marrow. It's already discerning the thoughts and intents of a person's heart. I don't need to add to it sometimes. Let me just let the word of God do its work. For anyone who's anywhere near my age or, you know, you're a few years into this or you're stepping into something, it's new to you, you've not got a lot of experience, and let's say you're teaching a home Bible study, I, I pray that this would encourage you and release some things in you to not try to build it up. Not try to come off like, hey, look at me, I'm a Bible scholar. Look how well studied I am. Let the word of God do its work. It will convict because it's profitable for that. It will bring instruction in righteousness because the word of God says it is profitable for that. It's all we need. We just got to point to it. Jesus name. And I, I believe over the next couple of moments, um, that's what's happening here. That's what I believe the spirit is doing in this room. Matthew 14, 14. I'm just going to read a couple of scriptures quickly. When he went ashore, Jesus, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion after, on them. And then what did he do? He healed their sick. Matthew 15, 32. You can just write these down. Then Jesus called his, called his disciples to him and said, I have compassion on the crowd. Because they have been with me now three days and have nothing to eat. And I'm unwilling to send them away hungry lest they faint on the way. Lest they pass out. Lest they get completely exhausted. I have compassion on the crowd. Matthew 18, 27. And out of pity for him, the same word. Out of compassion for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him the debt. Matthew 20, 34, and Jesus in pity, Jesus in compassion, touched their eyes. And immediately they recovered their sight and followed him. Luke 7, 13, and when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said, do not weep. Luke 10, 33. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to him where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. I need compassion. I need this biblical compassion in my life. This convicts me. This challenges me. Do I, do I feel compassion in my spirit like Jesus felt when he just, he just laid his eyes on the crowd? 
And all of a sudden, Jesus, who is modeling for us the behavior of a Christian, of a Christ-like life, right? A lifestyle lived towards Christ. Jesus sees the multitude on the shore, and he says, I have compassion on them. I have pity on them. And, And not just negative pity, but something deeply moving in the spirit of Christ. When's the last time you had that feeling in your community? I believe with my whole heart, I believe that that's already happening in this assembly. I believe when we gather in our homes, when you go to your Bible study that you host or that you're a part of or that you came through here, uh, you came here through that Bible study. I believe compassion was at work in that gathering. I believe that's what opened some, some things up. I believe that's what caused the spirit to begin to open up and surrender and say, okay, I wasn't interested before, but something is moving. Something is happening in my heart. I can't really explain it. I can't really understand it. I can't really tell you and describe what's happening in my heart, in my spirit right now. But we're just reading the word of God. I'm just hearing the words of Christ towards me, towards my life, towards what I need to do. Something is happening in my spirit. Check it out. All those scriptures. What you'll notice is that there was compassion and then there was action. It was the compassion that drove the action. It was the movement in the spirit that drove the movement in the natural. Wow. I feel the Holy Ghost in this room. Would you stand I believe we're already participating in this. And so maybe maybe for you, this might not even be new. This might not even be revelatory. It's just reminding you of where you're at. Maybe for some of you, this is telling you, this is where you want to be. This is where you want to go. This is the direction that God is giving you for your Bible study, for your home group, for what God is involving you in, for the group that you've connected into. This is it. In the name of Jesus, come on, would you begin to agree? Agree together with the brother next to you, with the sister next to you. Maybe it's been a while since you felt what you felt in this place today. Maybe it's been a while, or maybe you're wanting to feel it, and you've not quite gone there yet. I urge you right now, would you just begin to open up your heart? My friend in the room, would you just begin to open up your heart? God, speak to me. God, I'm going to let you reach out to me, Father. I'm going to let you reach that deep place, God.
In the name of Jesus. You may be seated for just a few moments. In the name of Jesus. Here's what happens when compassion is moving in our lives. When his compassion, right? Let's move beyond how we term these things. Let's, we've settled, right, what this means in the Bible. It's deeper than you and I can explain. It's something that only comes from the Spirit of God, right? I'm not even doing justice explaining it, but you know what it feels like. Amen? The preacher can't explain some things for you. You've, you've got to feel it for yourself. I believe that when compassion is at work in my life, I begin to see differently. And, you know, there's a proverb that says, without where there is no vision, the people perish. And it's speaking spiritually. The, the second half of that verse says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law is happy. And so it's not talking about the way this has been misquoted. If you've heard this before, if where there's no vision, if you don't have vision, you're going to perish. That's quoted in maybe a motivational book disguised as, you know, a Christian work of literature as you've got to have a vision. And I'm not talking about you like don't have any drive. Don't go get a job, please. Yeah. I'm talking beyond that. There's there's a misconception that that verse is speaking to your five year plan. To your big business idea. Which maybe it is what God placed in your heart, but see it for what it is. That verse describes you, you've, you've got to see both of it. Can we put that up? I believe it's Proverbs 29. Maybe got that right. I'm looking at uh, Elder Harder. <laughs> 29, 16. We'll see. But it says, no, that's not it. <laughs> Where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keeps the law is happy. And it goes together. Verse 18. Okay, I was in the same chapter. I'll take that. Amen. 29, 18. But he that keeps the law, happy is he. This is written in the days of the Mosaic law. Right? And so we're talking about the covenant that existed back then. If you would keep the law, you would be promised happiness. And that happiness is more than just emotional happiness. It describes a feeling of blessed, being blessed. It, you can literally, you can use that as a synonym. But he that keeps the law blessed is he. He that keeps the law blessed is he. And that's Old Testament. In the New Testament, you and I can read this as he that would read the word and heed it and obey it. He that would obey the word of God. Happy is he. Blessed is he. Blessed is that person. You are blessed if you would keep the word of God in your life. Do you see how it's part of the same verse? Where there is no vision, 
the people perish. If you would just keep the word of God in your life, and I'm talking about the logos, the, the written word of God. I'm also talking about the rhema, the living word of God that would jump out of the page and convict you about your life. If you would keep that, you will be blessed. You will live in a state of being blessed. Anyone want that today? Desire that today? Need that today? Believe for that today? Have faith for it today? Amen. But you've got to have the vision for it. And it shows you the stakes. You've got to keep the word of God. You've got to keep the law. You've got to keep in your heart, in your actions, in your vision, in your mind, what God says. What the word of the Lord is for you and your life and your family. Because if you don't see it, if you don't have clarity for it, if you are just feeling it but not looking for it, guess what's going to happen? This is the principle. The people perish. Speak to us today, Father. Speak to me, Jesus. Convict me, Father. Challenge me, God. Call me up, Father, from where I'm at today. Call me back, Jesus, to out of where I was today, God. In the name of Jesus, help me to see clearly, God, what you have for me. Help me to have clarity, Father, for where you're trying to lead me, Jesus. I'm going to call a musician up. The world would... Um, like for you to be sold on the concept that compassion is, you know, not necessary. Um, I believe that what I'm seeing is in this in this society, right? This world we live in, in my workplace, and just culture today, we're looking for reasons, and I mean we as like humanity. Okay, just, humanity is looking for reasons to root out injustice. It's looking for things that are wrong and saying, see, it's wrong. We got to correct it. Look, I told you. Look at this injustice. We've got, to, we've got to pay it back. Look at this need for reform. We've got to reform it and then things will be good again. It's looking for a reason for offense. It's looking for offense. Hey, actually, don't say that anymore. You know, hey, actually, <laughs> that's not how we call that anymore. I believe in this day, in this hour, God is calling us to the exact opposite of that. He's calling us to get around some people who might not have their Sunday bests on. He's calling us to get around some people at my workplace, at my school the kids I babysit, the parents who come in to pick those kids up. And he's calling for me not to look for a reason for injustice, not for a reason for offense, but he's calling for me to see clearly, for me to have a heart like his, for me to have the mind of Christ that would begin to, in the moment that we pick up that child or that, that, that parent comes to pick up that child, whatever that interaction is, 
that conversation in the public, in the grocery store, wherever it is, in the Bible study, that person that walked in, the, the sibling of the person who walked in. Not looking for offense, not looking for imperfection, but instead feeling with such clarity, feeling with such conviction, the compassion of God that would reach to that individual. No man comes to the Father except the Father draw him near. How is that going to happen if we don't feel it? If we don't feel it, if we don't have the compassion of God working in our lives, how is that going to happen in my community? Let me ask someone today. I, want, I don't know about you, but I want to be baptized today with the compassion of God, with the, with the feeling of God that would only come from his spirit, that would show me.